I want to talk today uh, briefly here. Uh, we're going to take a break from our 2 Corinthians study today, as it's kind of been a, a special day. And uh, it's an interesting time that we're in right now. I don't think we need to make too much of an argument or case to say that we're living in a crazy world right now, right? A crazy, chaotic world. Just the last couple of months alone have seen such an absurd, you know, mixed up attempt to promote, you know, an agenda that I think you could make a case to say this is nothing more than a satanic agenda, trying to, you know, pass on these different beliefs and ideologies that are so contrary to God's word. And we've seen, you know, company after company the last little while, right, you know, rolling out their promotions and just using just such seemingly absurd ways to do it. When you see, you know, Bud Light incorporate a man pretending to be a woman to promote their product and then see one of the most successful boycotts in corporate history, that's, that's pretty amazing, pretty exciting. It speaks volumes to see, you know, this company lose 27 billion of market value. And then, so here's the crazy thing. You would think that other companies are kind of waking up to this and going, um, Susan, I think we better think twice about using drag queens on unicorns to try to sell, you know, this product. And yet product and company after company continue to roll it out. Nike then moves along here right afterwards and they use the same person as their uh, model to sell uh, a Nike sports bra. Put that on a man, that doesn't quite make sense. And I'm kind of going, all right, it's Nike. I'm not much of a Nike man, no big whoop to me. I'm team Adidas here, right? And then Adidas rolls out with their swimsuit edition here with, again, a man modeling that. And then company after company, you've got uh, Patagonia, North Face with just crazy uh, commercials. You've got Target now, which has just gone and again, lost you know, billions of dollars with trying to roll out some of this, again, crazy, uh, crazy, silly kind of sales gimmicks. And you look at these things and the, and the list goes on, you know, LA Dodgers and, and all these things that you've probably seen in the news. It's like our world has gone mad, right? The sad thing is that what used to be in the dark because it was dark is now trying to invade every aspect of life and this world and try to say, this is what is normal and this is what needs to be accepted. This is what the world is that we're living in right now. We've entered into Pride Month, right? Where again, you just see the intensity increase of trying to normalize what again is simply sin. This is what, what pride is all about. I mean, it's pride that caused Satan to fall in the very beginning, right? It's pride that's at the root of all sin because what pride does is pride promotes self. Pride says, no, you need to look at and think about yourself and make yourself the king of all innocence. That's what pride does. And that's why it's at the root of so much sin because sin is simply an attempt to elevate oneself, right? Above and beyond God. And the Bible, tells us very clearly, you know, the right view about pride. Proverbs 11:2 2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with a humble is wisdom. Isn't that interesting? Because what used to be shamed now is attempting to be celebrated. And not just 
celebrated, but now a forcing for all people to celebrate it as well. No longer shame, but the Bible says there's no way around it with, with pride comes shame, but the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 13, 10, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the uh, well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So we know what the outcome is going to be. But sadly, the world just continues on in a mass confusion and a, a blurring of the lines of what is true and factual and right. And, and we see, again, just the world idolizing this notion of you can be whoever you wanna be. Nothing else needs to determine that. You need to determine what is right for you in a sense. We're advocating the, the mutilating uh, of, of children. We're advocating, you know, uh, being pro-choice and late-term abortions, all these kinds of things. This kind of voice gets louder and louder and again, attempted to be thrust upon all people to where everybody's thinking now needs to be in line with these things that are anti-biblical. And then not to mention, not just to point out what's going on in the world, but sadly to see what is happening too often in churches where we see this drift theologically and biblically happening now to where now churches are caving and coming alongside with that same kind of narrative to try to be a support to these things and advocating and affirming these kinds of things. Listen, biblically, we cannot advocate or affirm these things. So we got all that going down. We've got a, a continued push for a, a, a global government. WEF is out of control. The rise of AI, digital IDs. This is all Revelation 13 beast system stuff coming into play, right? And for some, you look at what's going on and it can just be too much. And it can be like, ah, just bring people into despair. Let me go hide under a rock. That can be the attitude of many people. But I wanna ask ourselves here, look at today, what's our role in these things? What is the church to do? How are we to respond? In a world of chaos, what is our ethos? And first of all, maybe we need to define just what that word ethos is because some of you are going, what? I don't even know what that word. It just simply means that, that character and disposition are our principles. What are we standing for? In a world of chaos, what is our ethos? And so I wanna take us to Luke chapter nine here today. If you got your Bibles, turn there to Luke chapter nine, verse 51 is where we're going to start off in Luke 9, verse 51. If you need a Bible, just uh, get the attention of the ushers. They'll pass the Bible to you. Luke 9, 51. I want to look at three things here. Through this short message today, I want us to, first of all, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, write these down. First of all, learn from Jesus's steadfastness. Number one, learn from Jesus' steadfastness. Secondly, beware of our selfishness. Beware of our selfishness. And thirdly, remember God's salvation. Learn from Jesus' steadfastness. Beware of our selfishness and remember God's salvation. Look at what we read there in verse 51 of Luke chapter nine. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. 
but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now, all through Jesus's ministry, he was operating on a divine timetable, right? In other words, all things were working together and working themselves out right according to God's plans. Nothing was taking Jesus by surprise. Notice it says, it came to pass when the time had come. It was now time for all that Jesus had been doing to come to the crux of it all, to come to the culmination of it all. Nothing was disrupting his schedule. But how about you? How about us here today? Do you find that things tend to disrupt your schedule or, or put you maybe in a bad mood based on what you have to go through, based on what you maybe see going on around you? Yeah, we should understand that all things, as we've said oftentimes, are not falling apart, but falling into place. Amen. Now, we know that to be true theologically, but it's another thing to accept that personally and practically in our own lives, isn't it? Where we all know, oh, God's in control. But then when things begin to disrupt you, when you begin to see things that are opposing you, how easy it is to kind of question that. We know it to be true theologically, but do we actually believe it personally and practically? And yet we have to understand our lives are in God's hands. He's, in, he's orchestrating the whole universe, holding it all up together, and he's in control of you and me. Our lives are in his hands. So though we may see the world seemingly in chaos, everything is still functioning right according to God's timing and perfect plan. Yeah. And we read that when the time had come for him to be received up, that he, notice this here, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's where Luke's gospel right here really turns a corner. This is where there's a real pivotal, important change taking place. And we see the preparation now of Jesus to go to Jerusalem. So when it says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, that was pretty important, pretty huge, because Jesus knew exactly what that meant. He knew exactly what that would entail and what was awaiting him in Jerusalem. It would mean betrayal, mocking, suffering, and eventual death. This is what Jesus steadfastly set his face towards. The idea of steadfastly setting your face towards something, it spoke of, of resoluteness. It spoke of determination, courage, strength. This was Jesus willingly and committedly making his way to go to Jerusalem. For what? The cross, the point of death. Now, many of us, I, I could say, have experienced a, a courage of the moment where there's no previous thought to the ramifications that might come out of taking action. You just spring into action with this adrenaline and energy because you know there's an emergency, there's something that needs to happen. It's a courage of the moment. You've heard stories of, uh, of moms that have to you know, lift up you know, cars with a, a child perhaps trapped underneath it and in an attempt to save and rescue their children, they just have an incredible amount of strength that comes. It's a courage of the moment or a surfer that's out in the waters and a, a shark is coming their way and that to beat back this shark, right? It's, a, it's not thinking about what may happen. It's like the courage of the moment. 
or jumping out of your car and leaping onto another car on Sunday morning ready to take your parking space. It's just not without any thought. You're not even thinking about Ramaphosa. You're just like, man, courage of the moment. This, this needs to get done. It's an emergency. That's, a, that's the idea here. But with Jesus, understand something. With Jesus, it, it's not the courage of a moment. This was not a reactive thing for Jesus. When he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, this was a planned courage. This was Jesus seeing what lay ahead and resolutely, committedly moving towards that, no matter what it meant. See, Jesus fixed his eyes towards this goal and he moved forward in the will of God. Are we prepared to committedly move forward in the things of God, even when they don't make sense to us? Do we respond to a chaotic world with a resolute courage to carry out God's will? Are we reactive or do we have a plan, determined courage to say, God, this is what you have for me, despite what might await me? Jesus knew that he would face opposition. He would face shame. He would, he would face difficulty. He said, God, I'm gonna go that Calvary road. I'm gonna follow in your will resolutely, determinedly, committedly, because this is what you have for me. This is fulfilling your will, God. And Jesus, you know, he's been revealing these things to his disciples. He's been bringing them along with this kind of plan all along. This should not have been a surprise to them. In fact, we read, if you're still in Luke 9, I hope you are, Luke 9, go to verse 22. Because we read a few verses earlier in the context, Jesus sharing with his disciples exactly what was awaiting them. He says in Luke 9, 22, that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. See, whenever Jesus spoke about his upcoming crucifixion, the suffering that would accompany that, it was as if the disciples just kind of tuned out. They're like over here looking, thinking about, Man, what position am I going to have in the kingdom? Man, I can't wait. Where am I going to be? So what do I get to do? And then Jesus would talk about these things and they're just tuned out. They never could have imagined their Messiah, the savior of the world, having to come to this world and, and die. This was not a part of the plan that they had. They saw their Messiah as this political leader, this deliverer that would come and overthrow all the oppression that they were under, all the chaos of the world. Jesus is gonna come and make it all right, right here and now. That's what they had in their view of the Messiah. So when Jesus comes, they're like, oh man, I can't wait. God's gonna just toss all these crazy people aside and we're gonna just be able to walk into this sweet kingdom now. This is gonna be great. This is what they're expecting. It took the disciples a while before they really could comprehend the weight of what Jesus had ultimately come to do. Now, don't get me wrong, we know Jesus is coming again to establish that kingdom. All that they had in mind is gonna happen, but it wasn't gonna happen when they thought it was gonna happen. Do we get disrupted when things aren't taking place the way we want them to take place? Do we get rattled when things are not lining up with our plans and our wishes? In fact, again, Jesus reminding them, Luke 18, verse 32 to 34, says for speaking of himself, he'll be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. 
They will scourge him and kill him and the third day he'll rise again. Notice this, but they understood none of those things. The saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. They understood none of these things. It's much like how I feel after a conversation with my wife. I'm like, I, I don't understand, sorry. In fact, I, I oftentimes wonder why she starts our conversations with, and another thing. I'm like, what? I don't, doesn't make sense, but listen. So I, I, I understand how these disciples were feeling. I get it. But here's Jesus laying out for his disciples the plan. He's laying it out there for them. They're not getting it. But understand something, he's not telling them these things so that they can take action and protect him and guard him. He's telling them these things so that they can be prepared for what is coming. He wants to prepare his disciples to know that living life as a follower of Christ wouldn't be marked with popularity and acceptance. Rather than fame in their future, it's gonna be a cross. This went totally opposite of what they were expecting. And the question is, what are we expecting from the world? Are, are we surprised when the world acts like the world? The world is under the system of the, the enemy. The world is being ruled by the wicked one, the, the prince of the air, the, the ruler of this age, Jesus even said of Satan. We shouldn't be surprised when the, when the world acts like the world. I was with a, a, a pastoral friend of mine this weekend and we were taking a sporting event and he was telling me how he loves to tell people, you know, we're the visiting team here in this world. You know what reaction the visiting team gets when they come out, right? They get a lot of booze. They get things maybe thrown at them. They're the visiting team. We're the, we're the visiting team. This is not our home, my friends. This world is not our home. And we shouldn't be surprised when we're not accepted, when we're not received, when we're not loved, when we're not respected, when the things go on that happen in the world. Oh, I'm not saying that we don't stand up for truth. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we roll over, but we have to remember what our mission really is. We have to remember who we are and what we're to be about here. Jesus, you see, modeled for us this resolute, steadfast mindset that though things were not going to get easier, he set his face toward the very thing that would end up killing him. He purposed to walk that Calvary road all the way to the cross because it would be through the cross that all he truly purposed would be accomplished. God's purposes are gonna be accomplished. Amen. And we need to follow him, trust him, and continue with a purposed, determined, resolute mindset and attitude to say, Lord, I'm ready to walk that Calvary road. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to do what needs to be done for your will to be carried out. And Jesus, notice this, I mean, he sent messengers, it says in verse 52, before his face. He wants the good news to be heard and seen. He wants people to have an opportunity to receive him. He wants people to hear the truth. That's what we're called to do. 
And Jesus began now to send them into these cities and they come upon a, a Samaritan village that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Now, we heard a little bit last week about the differences between Samaritans and the Jews. They did not like each other. There was a real hostility and hatred there among them. For one thing, they didn't agree on the right place of worship. So when Jesus comes and he set his face to go to Jerusalem, the Samaritans are going, oh man, that, that's not the place of true worship. They looked at Mount Gerizim as the place of worship. They said, oh, we can't follow this guy. He's not the true Messiah. He's going to the wrong place. And they didn't accept him. But then look at James and John's attitude here. As we've seen how we need to learn from Jesus's steadfastness, but also we need to beware of our selfishness. Because look at what we read in verse 54. <laughs> and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, saw the reaction of the Samaritans, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Let me stop right there. Now you gotta love the response of James and John because they think this is so spiritual. This is, this is what Elijah did. Let's bring that back. Let's bring this Old Testament power and fire back. This is what we need today. And, and they're thinking this is, this is so spiritual, so good, so godly. But it didn't have the right spirit of God. This is done to wipe them out, but how often have we been there? How often have we looked at things that are going on and thought, fire, Lord, fire, burn it up. And, and believe me, there, there are times where we want that to happen and we wouldn't feel really wrong in praying a prayer like that. But we have to be aware of our own selfishness again. The world is not our home. And, and, and the Bible lays out pretty clear that things aren't getting better. Our job is not to Christianize the world. Our job is to bring people to Jesus. And we have to be so careful that we won't get our priorities out of line here. And that we don't begin to act in a way feeling a, a righteous indignation to attack things and misrepresent Jesus in doing so. Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you are of here. We've all been there where, man, we think fire is the solution. But Jesus is the solution. Jesus is what people need to know and hear, and they might seem so far gone, but there's always hope. And our job is to bring Jesus into the picture and to represent him. Our, our world is full of people who have rejected God and are living in defiance of, of him. Evil abounds and it's easy to wanna just check out and say, I'm done with this world. It's easy to say, I, I'm, I'm just gonna do my own thing to, to, to where we become more about escaping than we do about evangelizing. But again, our mission is to remain sharing the gospel and living out our lives in faithfulness to God. Here's the thing, guys, we live in a crazy world. That's not, that's, that's the fact. We live in a world of chaos. But again, our goal is not survival. Our focus is sacrifice, walking the Calvary road. Our goal is to say, Lord, whatever you need for yourself to be seen, glorified, for, for that witness to go forth, I'm ready to do that, Lord. Just as Jesus says, if the cross 
is what's gonna bring about the fruition of your purposes, I'm ready to walk it. Are we ready to walk that life of sacrifice or are we about survival? Are we about self-preservation? Or are we about saying, Jesus, my life is yielded to you and to your will and purposes. And my heart is simply to see people come to know you, Jesus. I think about Paul. I was reading an Acts this week. When Paul's ready to head to Jerusalem and he knew the potential trouble that was waiting in there and, and people, his friends were saying, Paul, don't go, this is not a good move for you. There's trouble, there's persecution that's awaiting you. But I love what Paul said with that same steadfastness as Jesus. In Acts 20, verse 24, he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Hey, listen, we went through 2 Corinthians 5 not too long ago, where we were all called to be ambassadors for Christ, representing him in this world, carrying out the ministry of reconciliation, seeing people come and be reconciled to God through the forgiveness of sins, through the acceptance of Jesus and the work he did for them on the cross. That's what we're called to do. Listen, don't get rattled. Don't get moved by a world of chaos that bumps you off of the target before you, which is Jesus, steadfastness to his purposes and plans. Don't get bumped around and, and take a different route in avoidance of those things. Like Paul saying, man, none of those things move me. I'm not gonna get bothered by it because I'm not trying to protect my life. I don't count my life dear to myself but that I might use my life simply to finish the course that Jesus has for me. And that is to live to the praise and glory of him, to be a witness of him. That's what we're reminded of here. As Jesus rebukes James and John says, you're not in the right spirit. You're carrying the spirit out of, uh, of selfishness, of, of your own desires, not of the Lord's. Because we need to remember God's salvation here thirdly. Look at what we read in verse 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up right now and get ready to close in a song, but aren't you glad that you've received the salvation of the Lord? That God, in our place of chaos and opposition to God, reached down with grace and mercy spared us and saved us, forgave us of our sin and gave us new life in him. Now we get to celebrate that today in our baptisms as many people get to yes. preach that message through their obedience in following Christ in baptism. What a, a blessing that is. But understand, you didn't deserve that salvation. And we might look at the world and go, well, the world certainly doesn't deserve it. Look at how foul, look at how bad they've gotten. And they have. It's not just people living in sin, it's people celebrating sin. That's enough to make us go crazy. But may we have that steadfastness that says, Lord, I'm gonna to continue to walk that Calvary road of, uh, of submission and sacrifice to represent you. I'm not gonna walk in selfishness with what I wanna see happen. Lord, help me to carry out what your purposes and plans are. And let me remember the salvation I've been given and that these people 
need to know that salvation. And there are people that you're gonna call, Lord, to salvation, even as far gone as some of them might seem. God, you're not done with them yet. So may we have that heart for them. Here's a question put to every believer by this text. Does living for Jesus mean deploying God's missiles against the enemy in righteous indignation? Or does living for Jesus mean following him on the Calvary road, which leads to suffering and death? The answer of the whole New Testament is this. The surprise about Jesus, the Messiah, is that he came to live a life of sacrificial, dying service before he comes a second time to reign in glory. And the surprise about being a follower of Christ is that it demands a life of sacrificial, dying service before we can reign with Christ in glory. See, in this day that we live with a world in chaos, not just morally and theologically as we looked at, but economically as we see happening and, and coming where it's easy to take a position of self-preservation, we need to be those that say, God, my life is yours. I don't need to try to protect my life. I need to live this life for you and for your purposes. Let God take care of you. Be about his business with the time we have remaining. Don't let your priorities get misplaced. And, and hear me out on this. I'm not against being prepared in crazy times, I'm not against taking a stand against the craziness in, the, in this world. We need to uphold truth and righteousness. But just don't forget what our purpose is here. It's to be a witness of Jesus. Jesus came to save the world from their sin and to bring people into a right relationship and standing with God through Christ's righteousness, not our own. Let's be about that. Let's be about sharing the good news. Aren't you glad that you received it? So let's pass that on to others as well. Let me pray. Lord, thank you, God, for uh, these lives you've given us, Lord. Not just lives that you've made, but lives that you have saved and made new. And we have the joy of living them for you. We're not promised an easy road. The Calvary road is not easy, but it's a path that we take, Lord, out of love for you and knowing that on that road, it's there that you accomplish your purposes and your plans unfold. Lord, we don't need to try to fix the world. You're going to do that. God, we just want to see people get pulled out of this world's system and placed in your hands by your love and grace and receive forgiveness of sin and life in you. And if you're here today listening online or you're here present with us and you don't know that simple salvation that God has for you, I want to tell you today, Every single one of us have been separated from God because of our sin. We're, we're born into that. We're natural sinners. And because of that, we've been separated from God. And there's no way to bridge that gap in and through ourselves. We can't be a good enough person. We can't do enough works to bridge that gap. There's only one way that that bridge gets gap, or that gap gets bridged. And that's through Jesus Christ. The cross fulfilled that. Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin personally. He paid the penalty for your sin so that by accepting Jesus and the work he did for you, by receiving Jesus, you can be forgiven and have life in him. Life everlasting. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to wait for it. You need to receive that today by simply saying, Jesus, I am a sinner. I confess my sin and I know I need you as my Lord and my Savior. Come and forgive me 
and be my savior. When you pray a simple prayer like that, you become, what the Bible says, a born again believer. You're in Christ now and you have new life. Everything that has happened before has been forgiven and erased. Come to Jesus today. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if you've prayed that prayer today, if you've accepted Jesus today, would you come and talk to me or one of the pastors? If you're watching online, email us because we wanna send you something to help you out in this new life that Jesus has for you, all right?